0: listening to the sermon podcast of Brockport First Baptist. We are a progressive American Baptist congregation located about 20 minutes outside of Rochester, New York. To learn more about our church and support our ministries, please visit Brockportfirstbaptist.org.
1: Today's scripture reading is going to be from Deuteronomy. Sorry, something on the stand here. I think it's a little Uh, Deuteronomy uh, chapter 14 verses 22 through 29. Uh, If you'd like to read along in your pew Bible, I believe it's going to be on page 150. Set apart a tithe of all the yield of your seed that is brought in yearly from the field. In the presence of the Lord your God, in the place that he will choose as a dwelling for his name, you shall eat the tithe of your grain, your wine, and your oil, as well as the Firstlings of your herd and flock, so that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. But if, when the Lord your God has blessed you, the distance is so great that you are unable to transport it, because the place where the Lord your God will choose to set his name is too far away from you, then you may turn it into money. With the money secure in hand, go to the place that the Lord your God will choose. Spend the money for whatever you wish oxen, sheep, wine, strong drink, or whatever you desire, and you shall eat there in the presence of the Lord your God, you and your household rejoicing together. As for the Levites' residents, I think I said that right, Levites, uh, in your towns, do not neglect them, because they have no allotment or inheritance with you. Every third year you shall bring out the full tithe of your produce for that year and store it within your towns. The Levites, because they have no allotment or inheritance with you, as well as the residents aliens, the orphans, and the widows in your towns may come and eat their fill so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work that you undertake.
0: Good morning, everyone. Special music was great, wasn't it? We're, we're going to hear another song from Miranda after the service. Oh yeah, we can do another round of applause. Absolutely. <clears throat> Absolutely. So, um, this is the final week of our Mana Economics series. We've been uh, spending the last like month or so talking about stewardship, and along the way, we've we kind of got into that topic by looking at some of the economic principles of ancient Israel. A lot of the ground we've covered in the last few weeks has been a little radical, I think. Um, We talked about debt forgiveness, which is a big part of the Old Testament law and was supposed to be this foundational element of the Israelite economy, even though they probably never actually did it, but it's still a radical idea. We talked about Sabbath, this idea, which is somewhat radical or out of place in our culture, that we should take one day each week to disconnect from work to disconnect from buying and selling, unplug from all our devices, and just focus on reconnecting with our loved ones and ourselves. We talked about society's responsibility, just spelled out quite explicitly in scripture, to care for the poor and the vulnerable, even to the point of putting their well-being ahead of our own. And all of this has been framed in light of this fundamental shift that the Bible prescribes for economics, which is about moving from a mindset of scarcity to one of abundance. Letting go of this idea that success is about managing what little we have to ensure that we don't run out and instead learning to steward abundance, coming to view everything we have as a gift from God and then setting out to steward that gift faithfully. This is all really important background information uh, when we talk about tithing, which is our topic for today. Um, Now, I've been in the church most of my life And I've generally found that most people, even uh, most Christians, don't really understand tithing. There's a lot of confusion around the concept of tithing. What exactly does it mean to tithe? Are we supposed to tithe? And so I wanted to start out today by looking at um, a few points of clarification about tithing. Just some important stuff um, to know as we go into this topic. And the first point of clarification has to do with what a tithe actually is. Tithing is not a fancy religious word for giving. A lot of Christians, when we talk about tithing, we have this habit of using the word tithe to denote like any gift that's given to a church. Whether we're talking like five bucks or 500 bucks, we call it a tithe, which isn't really accurate. Most giving Christians do today uh, when we put money in the offering plate or uh, make some other donation to a church or ministry is actually a lot closer to the Old Testament concept of an offering. In the Old Testament, there are all kinds of offerings people would do for all sorts of different reasons. There were offerings you take to the temple if you've incurred some sort of guilt or if you were rendered ceremonially ceremonially unclean so that you could be declared clean. It's a hard word to say. Um, there were offerings people would give just to express their gratitude to God or to support the work of the temple. Um, there were offerings you'd take at big life events like the birth of a child. There was even an offering for if there was some sort of conflict in the community. If you had something against your neighbor or vice versa, you were supposed to rectify the situation and then take an offering to the temple together, offer it at the temple, and that would help bring you back together. All sorts of different gifts for all sorts of different reasons are spelled out in the the Old Testament as offerings. But the tithe is something different. The word tithe literally means tenth, and it refers to this practice of taking a tenth of what you have in an agrarian society like ancient Israel, that was usually a tenth of your harvest, and give it to God for some sacred purpose. And we're going to see in a couple minutes that that did not always mean giving it to the temple. There were a few different ways the tithes could be split up, and it didn't always go to the religious establishment. That's a bit of a sneak peek, though. We're going to get there in a second. Another point of clarification before we do. Christians are never commanded in the Bible to tithe. And this is the point where some members of the church council are going to get mad at me. Now, I, like, don't hear this wrong. I don't want to poo-poo tithing. Tithing is a good thing. Um, it's not wrong to tithe, but the Bible never specifically commands Christians to tithe. Christians are instructed to be generous, and in the New Testament, we see examples of generosity that go way beyond tithing. In the early church, the Christian community would usually pool all their resources together, almost like a shared bank account, um, to make sure that everybody has enough. Now, I like you all, but I don't know that I trust you all that much to do something that radical. But we don't find a mention in the New Testament of Christians being commanded to tithe. When tithing does come up in the New Testament, it's usually Jesus who talks about it, and he's usually calling out the hypocrisy of the religious elite because they tithe to the temple, but they've neglected to care for the poor. And as we delve into the tithe a little bit more in depth, you're going to see that that actually makes a lot of sense. Here's why I think this second point is important. though, two reasons, actually. First, I've seen religious leaders hold tithing over people's heads in a very unhealthy way. I sat in a membership class at a church once. It wasn't this church, thank goodness, um, where the pastor was basically trying to coerce new members into tithing. He was telling them, it doesn't matter if money is tight. It doesn't matter if you can't afford it or if you're struggling. You have to give 10% of your income to the church if you want God to bless you. Because the Bible commands it. And I'm here to tell you that's just not accurate. Second reason, though, I think this is important, is I've had conversations with Christians about poverty and the need to care for the poor. I've had countless conversations like this. And I've had many well-meaning Christians come back at me with something along the lines of, well, I give my tithe to the church. That's my generosity. Let the poor have that. Which is kind of like the religious equivalent of, like, I pay my taxes, right? Kind of, kind of harkens back to Ebenezer Scrooge, right, in A Christmas Carol. Are there no prisons? Are there no poor houses, right? People know that. It's not a very good look uh, for Christians, I don't think. It's also the exact same attitude Jesus was pushing against in the religious leaders of his day. When tithing becomes the rule in like a legalistic sense, tithing basically turns into the box you check off to prove to yourself and the community that you're generous. I did my part, I gave my tithe to the church, there's nothing more I need to do to address poverty in society or inequality that I benefit from, I gave my tithe, and that's not the way it works. Third and final point of clarification before we really dive in and explore what the tithe is, is that most Christians don't tithe. And the statistics on this are pretty interesting. Uh, Depending on which survey you go by, only 10 to 25 percent of regular church attenders tithe. This is on the next next slide. Yeah, only 10 to 25 percent of Christians in America tithe. On the flip side... 83% of Christians believe that the Bible commands us to tithe, and that is fascinating to me. I don't know what you make of that discrepancy, but I'll just let that stand there. And then average giving, like just in general giving among American Christians, is kind of depressing. The average Christian in the States gives about 2.5 of their income away, and that's not just to the church. That's like all giving, charities... Um, special causes, things like that. 2.5%. That's down from 3.3% during the Great Depression. Which I think reflects the fact that as we have accumulated more and more stuff, we've also learned to cling more tightly to it. As our resources have become less scarce, we've ironically bought into this mindset of scarcity. I think that's how you end up at a point where Christians today are less generous across the board than we were during the Great Depression. And this is where I think a practice like tithing could actually make a difference. If we actually came to understand what tithing was in ancient Israel, how it worked, how it helped people approach their wealth in a fundamentally different way, then we just might have a practice that could help us break free from our addiction to scarcity. But to do that, we've got to actually talk about the tithe and what it was. So we're going to dive into our scripture reading for today. Deuteronomy 14, to 29 This is our last week in Deuteronomy. Next week, we uh, dive into the parables of Jesus. A little sneak peek. Um, but Deuteronomy 14, to 29 which is on page 150 in your pew Bibles. We're going to start with the first two verses here. It <clears throat> should be on the screen, too. Set apart a tithe of all the yield of your seed that is brought in yearly from the field... In the presence of the Lord your God, in the place that he will choose as a dwelling for his name, you shall eat the tithe of your grain, your wine, and your oil, as well as the firstlings of your herd and flock, so that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. We'll stop there for now. Now, there's three different types of tithes that are described in this passage. This is the first one. It's what we might call the tithe to God. The idea is you're supposed to take one-tenth of your harvest, so all the grain, all the wine, all the oil, the firstborn um, from all your flocks, you take all that to the temple, and then you eat it. Set apart a tithe of all the yield of your seed that is brought in yearly from the field in the presence of the Lord your God in the place that he will choose as a dwelling for his name. That's the temple, which at this point hasn't been built yet. You shall eat it. Eat your tithe in the presence of the Lord to express your gratitude for what God has provided. You eat it. This isn't some impersonal gift that you drop in an offering plate. This isn't like a temple tax. This is a party. If you imagine this, you'd have this massive parade of people after the harvest heading to Jerusalem, heading to the temple, They'd have a tenth of all they had. You'd bring your grain, your wine, your animals, and the priests would be preparing everything. They'd be baking the bread. They'd be slaughtering the animals. Because remember, in the ancient world, your pastor is also your butcher, right? It's a joke, good. Um, And then the people would feast together at the temple in the presence of the Lord. You eat your tithe. If we wanted to be literal with this, If we really wanted to practice the tithe exactly as it's prescribed in Deuteronomy, what we'd actually do is we'd take a tenth of our income each week, and we'd all buy a bunch of food. We'd bring it here. We'd sing songs. We'd read scripture. We'd say prayers. We would learn together. And then we would party, which actually kind of sounds like a good deal. Like thats I don't know about you. That's a tithe that I think I could get into. Now, there is another tithe spelled out outside of this passage in the book of Numbers. It's the book right before Deuteronomy. It's very similar, but this tithe doesn't mention the feasting. This is a tithe that people are supposed to bring to the temple that goes directly to the priests. And there's some debate among scholars about these two different descriptions of the tithe, which is interesting. Some scholars think these passages describe two different tithes. So you'd give 10% of your crops to the priests, and then the other 10% would be used for this party. But other scholars, and I'm in this camp, full disclosure, believe that these two passages are describing the exact same tithe. 10% of your entire yield of food for the year would be a lot of food. That would be way more than you and your household could eat in a sitting. Especially if the whole country is bringing all this together around the same time. So there would be a ton of food left over. And we'll see a bit later in our passage that the leftovers are supposed to go to the priests anyway to support the work of the temple. So this perspective would say that these two tithes described in Numbers and Deuteronomy are kind of two perspectives on the same tithe. But there's more. Let's keep going in our passage. We're going to go back in at verse 24. I'm going to read a bit longer chunk, so I need a drink of water. Verse
1: 24.
0: This is the second tithe. But if, when the Lord your God has blessed you, the distance is so great that you are unable to transport it, because the place where the Lord your God will choose to set his name is too far away from you, then you may turn your tithe into money. With the money, secure in hand, go to the place that the Lord your God will choose, spend the money for whatever you wish, oxen sheep wine strong drink or whatever you desire and you shall eat there in the presence of the Lord your God you and your household rejoicing together as for the Levites resident in your towns do not neglect them because they have no allotment or inheritance with you that last line at the end is about giving what's left over to the Levites the priests let's just pause here for a minute though make sure we understand what this scripture is saying If you're unable to make it to the temple, if the journey is too far, you can't transport your crops that distance, then what you're supposed to do is sell your tithe, turn it into money, as it says up here, and then use that money to buy whatever you desire. And I just love that strong drink is provided as one of the options, right? (laughs) Like, how many people who insist on a literal reading of the Bible are taking a portion of their tithe each week I'm like loading up on whiskey <laughs> you know that's probably too far sorry <clears throat> the idea though the idea here is you you spend your tithe on a bunch of really good food and really good drink choice food the best food you'll probably have all year and then you go and join the party or if you can't make the trip at all you take all that food and wine and you throw your own party and you invite everybody and then give what's left over to the Levites, the priests, in your town. So you've got the first tithe that's given to God. You've got this other form of the tithe for people who can't make it to the temple that's spent on yourself, basically. Let's read the rest of our passage, beginning in verse 28. Every third year you shall bring out the full tithe of your produce for that year and store it within your towns. The Levites, because they have no allotment or inheritance with you, as well as the resident aliens, the orphans, and the widows in your town, may come and eat their fill so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work you undertake. So you've got the tithe that goes to God to be eaten in the temple and to support the work of the temple. You've got the tithe for those who can't make the trip, which is essentially spent on yourself. And then every third year, Instead of doing either one of these tithes, you take a tenth of everything, you give the priest their portion, and then the rest goes to the alien, the orphan, and the widow. For those of you who were here last week should sound familiar. That's a common refrain we find in the Old Testament. Take care of the alien, the orphan, and the widow. It's like an ancient world way of saying the most vulnerable people in society. Every third tithe goes to the poor. So we have three tithes described in this passage, one that goes to God, one that's spent on yourself, and one that goes to the poor, essentially setting up this sort of like trifecta of giving, God, you, and the poor. Now this echoes back and kind of encapsulates a lot of what we've been talking about this last five weeks or so. We talked about the importance of trusting in God's abundance, living into that abundance, expressing our gratitude to God for that abundance. We talked about Sabbath, the need to give back to yourself, to steward your time, your energy, your body. We talked about debt release and the gleaning laws, these laws that are designed to protect the alien, the orphan, and the widow. Steward your resources to God, yourself, and the poor. Which as a template for generosity, for practicing abundance, is actually a pretty good model, I think. Oh, we can go back to that. That triangle slide. you let that stay up there. That's a pretty good model. With the time we have left over today, I want to talk about what this model might look like practically. What does it look like to actually do this, to put this into practice, and how might it actually shift our view of our resources? Because we don't live in an agrarian society anymore. We can't keep the tithe exactly as they did in ancient Israel. Most of us don't have crops, there's no temple official to take it to, which is probably part of the reason why Christians aren't commanded to tithe in the New Testament. But I do think this template and this idea of setting aside a set portion of your resources regularly for God, yourself, and the poor can be an excellent way to practice abundance in our lives. So let's say you're part of that 10 to 25% of Christians who already tithe. You already set aside a tenth of your income for the church. First off, thank you. We could not do what we do here every week without you. We wouldn't have the ministries we do. We wouldn't have the community we're trying to foster without your support. So thank you. From those of you in this camp, though, Maybe this template is an invitation to consider those other two legs of the stool. You give to support God's work through the church, which is awesome, but are you also giving to yourself? And I'm not talking about like frivolous things, the real stuff, are you taking care of yourself? Are you making sure that you have what you need? Are you investing in your mental, physical, and emotional health? Are you setting aside a portion of your resources to throw a party and invite your friends and your family? That's a biblical idea. If the church is the only only nonprofit you give to, you might consider how to share some of your resources with the poor. Is there a group that serves those in need somewhere in the world or even right here in Brockport that you could contribute to? You can maybe even follow this model from Deuteronomy And dedicate every third gift, every third tithe, every third offering to the poor. And if you prefer to keep it in-house, maybe designate every third offering or every third gift to the church to one of the many ministries we're part of here in Brockport that helps the less fortunate. There's the teen closet, the gathering table, the clothing center over at St. Luke's, the Brockport ecumenical food shelf. There are a lot of options, really good options. And if you're brand new to giving, if you're someone who doesn't give regularly, giving's new to you, maybe you give sporadically, or maybe you give but you feel a sense of call from God to rethink how you give or give more, maybe use this template as your guide. Is there a church or a ministry doing really important work to advance the gospel that you could support? Maybe it's this church, maybe it's another church. Maybe it's a Christian ministry or something that you could get behind. Maybe there's missionaries overseas that you could fund. Is there a charity organization serving the poor that you could get excited about and get behind and really support? Um, Aaron and I are always on the lookout for new things we can contribute to. Over the course of our marriage, which is almost 10 years now, we've been able to give a lot of one-time gifts and short-term recurring gifts to some really exciting charities and causes. Uh, One good example... I had a coworker named Julia out in Los Angeles who started this ministry called After Hours, where every Friday night she and some friends would go out to the red light section of Hollywood and they would do ministry with the prostitutes. Um, They would take health kits. They had stuff like feminine hygiene products, toothbrushes, condoms, birth control. They'd get to know these girls. They'd talk to them, they'd pray with them. They would take little Bibles and little cards with prayers and give them to them. Their organization, in the handful of years they've been around, I think it's like less than 10 years, they've already led a number of women out of that life and helped them find stable jobs. And Aaron and I gave money to them, and we actually got to see that put into place, which is amazing. If you've never given a gift that you've been able to see at work, it's a really cool thing. And then if you're new to giving, don't forget to take a portion of that money and spend it on yourself, especially if you can spend it in a way that really contributes to your well-being. Throw a party, host a meal, go to a therapist, have a glass of wine, strong drink, right? Whatever it is you need to steward yourself, set aside the money, commit the money, and do it. There's a power in the tithe. There's a power to setting aside a fixed portion of our resources for God, the poor, and ourselves. It's a fundamentally different approach to money from the constant buying and selling, the earning and the spending, the input-output that so much of our culture around money is based on. If you just try to like vaguely be more generous or just decide one day, like, I'm going to embrace generosity, you're not going to get very far. The pull of our scarcity system is just too strong. But if you make it automatic, if you commit to a specific amount, find specific ministries and charities that you can get behind and contribute to on a regular basis, you will begin to see your resources used in incredible ways to advance God's kingdom. And you will also find it much easier to live into God's abundance and reject scarcity. That's the power of the tithe. Let's pray. God, thank you for these ancient texts we get to study together every week. Thank you for centuries-old practices like tithing and this ancient wisdom that continues to challenge and inspire us today. God, form us into a more generous people. Help us to live and trust in your abundance. Empower us through practices like the tithe to approach our resources in a fundamentally different way. In a way that gives glory to you, that honors the poor, and that honors ourselves. We ask these things in your name, Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed what
1: you heard, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. You can connect with us on Facebook at Brockport First Baptist, on Twitter at BrockportFB, and on our website,
0: BrockportFirstBaptist.org. Our theme music was composed by Scott Holmes. This has been a production of Brockport First Baptist.